Hello, and welcome to this bonus episode of Beyond the Breaker uh, for our Patreon subscribers at the $5 tier. We're glad you're here and, uh, you know, glad that you want to hear us talk even more about uh, things tenuously and vaguely connected to uh, shipwrecks. Hey, you guys already know my name is Taylor and Tanner is also joining. If you want to go ahead and say yep, hi. I'm here. I'm here. I was uh, I was drinking uh, Milwaukee's best ice. Ah, <laughs> um, sip not a whole one uh, at once. But uh, I yeah, have here. a I have a diet Dr Pepper for this one. So, <laughs> uh, so this uh, for this episode, we wanted to talk about some music that's kind of you know related to shipwrecks, shipwreck adjacent things, and uh, I think one of the people that one of the musicians that's most associated with uh, the Great Lakes and just maritime stuff overall is the great stan rogers yeah i think most of his stuff is kind of nautical related wouldn't you say i mean at least in that spirit of that yeah i mean you've got like i know i know that it's um not purely great lakes even but um like the maritimes also just kind of i mean general canada i think as a whole Mm -hmm. uh but definitely associating him with a lot of uh sort of maritime elements if you make a Stan Rogers station on Pandora, it's not long until you have basically nothing but sea shanties. Yeah, essentially that. And it's it's actually been fun with this sheep the sea shanty revival thanks to TikTok. You're actually hearing a lot of Stan Rogers get mixed into mm-hmm. stuff, which is pretty cool. Cool to see the kids use their technology that way. <laughs> so kind of the format of what we want to do today is we eat a Stan Rogers song. We'll talk about it for a little bit and mm-hmm. Just kind of give our thoughts, uh, nothing too formal, but just, uh, yeah, a little discussion. So I'll go first. The song that I chose is Northwest Passage, which is probably my favorite Stan Rogers song. It's pretty self-explanatory. It's about kind of the search for the Northwest Passage. Talks about a lot of the early explorers that are, you know, crossing and stuff like that to find this mythical passage. And he Later in the song, he kind of develops that into a metaphor of, you know, he's doing all this traveling away from his family, crossing the prairies, going to all these small shows. And he's kind of wondering, you know, is is all this worth it? Is all this time and effort that I put into it? Is it all for it's it's kind of a cool metaphor that he draws. Or at least his modern day and, you know, these old time explorers that are crossing these you know, barren lands and everything. A mm-hmm. uh, couple references that he makes, he talks specifically about John Franklin, who led the Franklin expedition. Actually, we talked about him a little bit in one of our previous episodes. We talked about the terror, right? We did, yeah. yeah. You know, he talks about him and there's a lot of good references there. Uh, the other explorer that he talks about, talks about, what's his name? Kelsey. Yeah, Henry Kelsey. who's was an en- English explorer and trader. He, you know, worked with like the Hudson Bay Company. So there's a lot of uh just a lot of Canadian history kind of built into this song. And it's I don't know, it's 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 an a cappella song, at least his version is, and it kind of has a haunting quality to it. One one thing I like about the song that I'll just interject here is that like you mentioned, that there's just a lot of Canadian history in this song. Mm-hmm. This is it's a bit like um like you know how again in schools sometimes like a teacher will assign like the song we didn't start the fire and like Mm -hmm. each line someone has to like research the thing that's referenced in each line Mm -hmm. um 
and like not to the same extent, but like this also, you could kind of do that. Like you, you kind of every line, at least in the verses, there's there's kind of something that's like, oh, what is this? And then you can, you know, spend 10, 15 minutes reading about something online or, you know, someone online. And then the next thing, you know, oh, what is who? Who is this person? I don't know this person. And then you can <laughs> look into them. So yeah, like this. This is a great song for just learning about a certain time in uh, in history. For sure, it definitely is. Um, and I think another thing I like about this song, I don't know that we do it as much in the United States, but this song is like embedded itself into Canadian. It's almost like a second national anthem or something. Uh, it's been covered a ton by a lot of different, especially Canadian bands, um, the Real McKenzies, the Dreadnoughts, and my personal favorite version of the song is by a band called Unleash the Archers. Yes, <laughs> I know you're more of a metalhead than I, but you are the one who introduced me to Unleash the Archers. That's, this is true. They're I did not know that a, before you. Yeah. They're kind of like a melodic power metal band. It's more my and. They have a female lead singer, which I absolutely love. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I was watching an interview with her when they talked covering the song and just how, you know, growing up in Canada, especially they're from Vancouver. So they get a lot of that explorer spirit and stuff kind of taught, taught to them in school and everything. They were talking about how conflicted they were even attempting to cover this first, how they they only wanted to do it and record it if they could do it in a way that it felt like they were adding something to it rather right. than just, you know, making a cheap copy because it is such like a, you know, important song to people culturally. And it was just really interesting to hear her talk about that. I don't know. I think they crushed it. I absolutely love it. It's not something you would think of with a metal band covering an acapella folk song, but they absolutely smash it out of the park. I will be linking to that in the show notes for you guys to enjoy. Uh, a lot of the other covers are by like, uh, you know, folk punk bands and like kind of the mm-hmm. um, Irish punk bands and th- things that fall more in line with what you would expect to cover. But I find Unleash the Archers and Brittany Hayes's voice to be absolutely amazing. I, I think that to to your point about the cover and kind of what you know she was saying in the interview about we don't want to do this unless we can add something, unless we can contribute to it. And I, I think in, in any context, that's like what a cover should be. Um, right. If, if your cover sounds exactly like the original, what was the whole point then? Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, but I think that really they do. They take something that is kind of a musical cultural hallmark and really put their own stamp on it mm-hmm. in a way that like. I don't know if Stan Rogers liked or would have liked metal, but I <laughs> I like to think he'd be he'd be uh, intrigued by what people are still doing with his music, right? Um, you know, this this long after he made it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's kind of my thoughts on that one. Is there anything else you to that one, or do you want to go ahead and transition into yours? Let's see, Northwest Passage. I think that's. I think we talked about that one uh, significantly. Let's. Uh, yeah, if you want to, if you want to go ahead and transition to yours, and then after you get that done. We'll talk a little bit more about Stan Rogers, kind of his life, and kind of a little bit of a, not personal connection we have, but just more of a, you know, Southern Ohio area, kind of just being aware of him for a different reason. Yeah, my, uh, if I had to pick one Stan Rogers song, let's see, if I had one song of his I had to play, and I couldn't play any others, uh, I would probably pick The Wreck of the Athens Queen. 
I like this song because of the sort of duality it presents. You know, you have a this is a fun song. Like the the idea of the song is that it's it's very fun, it's very upbeat, and just to run through some some of the um, basic ideas in the song. The idea here is that we have people who live in a seaside town, and we get the sense that this is a town where ships sink, you know, near this place relatively often. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a kind of a normal occurrence. It's something they're used to. They know what to do when it happens. It kind of sets it up. They're they're drinking all together. They're hanging out, um, and they can hear that this happens. This, this shipwreck happens. It seemed to come from Ripper Rock. So boldly forth we go. Obviously, if something's called Ripper Rock, <laughs> we know it's probably taken a couple of ships uh, in its day. Oh, and the fact um, that they even know like where it's coming from, like yep. okay, they've they've seen this before. Yeah, like they're just they're um, it, you almost get the sense that they're hanging out waiting for this to happen mm-hmm. with with the um, the speed with which they sort of know what to do. Uh, so of course, the ship that sinks is the Athens Queen. Uh, it hits this rock. Um, what I love about this song is it's total. Honestly, I'd say this is total, total me energy. I would totally do this uh, in this situation. Uh, but after they see that this is happening, uh, Stan Rogers or whatever narrator this may actually be in the song, uh, he says, "Boys, I must remind you, there's a bottle left inside. So let us go and have a few and wait until low tide." Just uh, hold, uh, hold on. First of all, we have more stuff to drink. Second, let's just wait a little bit until the the water goes down, and then we'll we'll get out there. If the sea's not claimed or when the glasses are licked clean, we'll then set forth some dories and see what may be seen. So this whole idea of okay, we'll we'll get there when we get there. Let's have some fun before we do that. Yeah, that is really interesting. I, I like that setup of this song. It's very. Um, it's not just telling the story of a shipwreck or whatever. He's kind of building like a whole scene of a community. And- it's yeah, not the wreck of the Edward Fitzgerald, where it's just like, this is a story that happened. It's very much more like a little bit of a world-building exercise. Yeah, the focus is less on the ship and more on the the seaside community. Mm-hmm. So they're drinking. They eventually get out there. I love his turn of phrase. It was before we left the house, we were at sea. Because they've been drinking so much, they're all dizzy. <laughs> that, was, um, that was very good. The waves inside my belly were as high as those outside. That's a great line. Um, this this next stanza, I think, is interesting because it, it covers the kind of two sides of the situation. Like, up to this point in the song, all we know this as, the shipwreck, is like a, you know, potential uh, bonanza for the seaside community. Like, oh, this is going to be awesome. But sort of the, the wreckers, the thing I talked about in uh-huh. the Doja Burr episode, it's that same energy. They may not have caused it, but they benefit. Yeah, and like, because you mentioned kind of the sinister side of that in your in your bonus episode, like these um, the the bankers, you know, um, the the wreckers. How you know maybe maybe ideally everyone dies in the shipwreck and you just go take stuff. But if there's anyone left, you gotta you gotta deal with those people right. uh, somehow. And I like how in the stanza he kind of makes a sort of sidelong reference to that. Uh, he says, "'Twas well there's, there was no crew to save, for we'd have scared him green. We could scarcely keep ourselves from falling off the Athens Queen. <laughs> so there's the idea, like, the reference to the fact that, like, 
well, there would have been some people on this ship, but they're not here. So, eh, let's let's see what we can find, basically. Kind of like gets around the idea of having to deal with that. You know, hey, maybe maybe the whole crew survived. We don't know. Maybe they abandoned ship and they're all just fine. Or maybe they all drowned. Who knows? They're not here. So let's uh, let's see what we can do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so next, uh, one of the one of the town people, he he goes down. He brings up a cow, which is funny because the whole idea is, you know, how are you going to get that off the ship? <laughs> they don't swim well, as we learned. Uh, yeah, we the, learned uh, that. Uh, episode. Yeah, we did. Uh, cows not great swimmers. So they go sort of ransacking this ship, see what they could find. One of the things they find, of course, uh, forty cases of Napoleon brandy. Okay. I don't know if that's a specific like brand of brandy. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, I don't know my like old school Canadian whiskeys and brandies. But regardless, they find a lot of it, and that's always a good thing. So they get that off the ship. Uh, they also find a bunch of chickens and a couch, <laughs> and then it kind of ends with a toast to salvagers and, of course, their benefactor and all this Ripper Rock itself. I love that a world building around this little community. They're almost grateful to the rock. They are grateful to the rock for what it brings to them. And the absurdity of trying to get a couch and a cow off of a vessel that's struck a rock. Mm-hmm. And the, the final line is, it really sums up the whole song, that the sort of mixed nature of it. This is a very upbeat song. It's kind of a funny song. But, of course, like the, the assumed uh, plot elements are... Like every story we talk about on the show where you've got, of course, people probably dying, you know, in the shipwreck. Uh, So he ends it with. uh, We wait for Ripper Rock to claim another Athens queen. Oh, the lovely Athens queen. So I think it's just it's such a great song because it's very. uh, it, It presents those two elements together in a way that it's just a bit. um, I don't know. It's. You you could basically write the story of the Athens Queen, which, to my knowledge, is not a real ship. Um, but any any shipwreck like this, you you could write this as a sad song from the ship's perspective. But hey, for the people on shore who get all the stuff, this is amazing. Like maybe right. maybe maybe they can't afford a lot of this stuff. Uh, yeah. So this is this is awesome. This will hold us over for a month or two. Yeah, they're sort of like the spider on the web. It's a matter uh, of yeah, like hey, like our. We are happy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting song too. I guess actually, you know, that's one of his, I mean, not lesser known, but it's not one of like the big four or five that you would first Mm -hmm. name. If you were naming off Stan Rogers, I guess in a sense, this is a bit like, uh, this is a bit like, like a nature documentary (laughs) where like you have to watch like, Oh, look at the majesty of this, uh, lioness, you know, hunting the antelope. And it's like, of course, as you're admiring the majesty of the lioness hunting the antelope, you're also watching the antelope get killed and Mm -hmm. ripped apart. So it's like, you can't really appreciate the beauty of the one without the tragedy of the other. Yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly. And obviously this song is more focused on the kind of humorous aspects of it. But I think it's still there. I think that's why it's such a cool song. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I think We'll kind of talk more about Stan himself now. 
I think it's someone if you're familiar with like Great Lakes history, maritime history in the um, like United States and Canada, you've probably heard some of this stuff. You've heard maybe Barrett's Privateers, Mary Ellen you've, Carter. You've heard uh, if you listen to this show, you've heard me sing part of that song on yes, one yes, of the episodes. Yeah, that's true. Um, the idiot, like he's got quite a few songs. Other than, you know, it's pretty firmly embedded in uh, White, Great Lakes uh, culture. White Squall is one of my favorite songs by him, also. Um, and I, we'll, we'll probably be talking about more of these. I feel like you guys. Yeah. But a little bit more about him. Um, I think one of the most tragic things about Stan Rogers is the fact that he, he's 33 years old. Um, and he's actually killed in an uh, aircraft incident, not necessarily a crash. It's Air Canada Flight 797. He was en route to Toronto from Dallas, and uh, the aircraft actually caught on fire, something in the toilet area. Like, oh, they actually don't know what caused this. To this day, we still don't know what actually caused this fire. And it really wasn't that severe of a fire. The pilot was playing down, and kind of where I said earlier, a small connection kind of to where we've spent a lot of our life in the Cincinnati area. They actually land in the uh, Cincinnati airport. Mm. So they get on the ground and, you know, they open the doors. And unfortunately, what ends up happening is that you flash fire when you open those doors. And, you know, you have about 45 seconds to a minute to get off of that plane. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. Most people that were killed, there were 22 or 23 total killed in the incident. And he was one of them. Uh, most of them died from smoke inhalation, you know, rescued because of the flash fire. And this is actually today why the trip along the floor of every airliner is because of this incident. Mm-hmm. So to kind of bring it back to what we talk about in a lot of our maritime disasters, just like that in the aircraft industry, every accident, you know, there's things you can draw out of that. And that's actually one of the things to, uh, that they took out of that is that there needs to be better procedures for people off of quickly but uh yeah it's really unfortunate he was such a talented guy uh and just in the short amount of time that he had all these songs that he was able to produce and and make it's pretty impressive yeah i think especially it comes through in his live recordings Mm -hmm. uh is the just like the character and like the passion with which he's he's presenting these things Mm -hmm. is um and you, you can you can hear it in his in his recordings yeah, I think the way he interacts with the crowd and talks to people, yeah, you can definitely know he's loving doing and like the whole, you know, culture of it and everything. Yeah. Uh, and I would definitely say as far as this style of music goes, him and Gordon Lightfoot are kind of one and two as far as as far as that goes. You know, I don't know. Like, I think as a kid, I definitely gravitated towards the song, The Wreck of the Evan Fitzgerald. It's what got me into a lot. But I do think as an adult, as far as, the overall depth and character of the songs, a lot of Stan Rogers songs are a lot more fun. Yeah, I, I think that, like, the same thing, obviously, because you listen to a lot of Gordon Lightfoot, so I listen to a lot of Gordon Lightfoot uh, when we were kids. But, like, in a sense, I th- to me, Gordon Lightfoot sings about a lot of stuff that, you know, could easily be sung about in a pop song. Mm-hmm. But the song Sundown is a pop song. Yeah. <laughs> like it just is. And like it's good, like he he does it well, but at the same time, like Stan Rogers, to me, strikes me as much more of a uh, pure what you're looking for in like a folk song, right? Yeah, I think it's it. 
It's a lot of the sea shanties and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, like we said, we'll definitely talk about more Stan Rogers songs in the future as we kind of analyze some uh, shipwreck and maritime adjacent media. But uh, unless you've got anything else to add about Mr. Rogers today, I think we'll we'll probably call this one. I think I think that's it. I think that's that's good for now. Excellent. Well, we appreciate your guys' uh, support on Patreon. Uh, like I said, we love doing this. We love that there's anyone out there that wants to listen, uh, much less actually support us on Patreon. Very appreciative of your hard-earned money, to be quite honest. Yeah, with that being said, we'll, we'll put another one of these out next month, and hope you guys are doing well. Thanks for listening.